Mae Begay was enjoying her newfound luxuries. In early 2021, Ella Mae had solar panels installed on her house, which was in a remote part of Sweetwater, Arizona. The 62-year-old woman was finally able to have electricity instead of using oil lamps and candles. Ella Mae was well known to the Navajo Nation as she was a master rug weaver with exceptional talents. Her rugs, in fact, are likely located in homes all over the world. Her artistry and her detail are unmatched by others. Someone reportedly saw Ella Mae getting into her truck in the middle of the night, possibly with someone else, on June 14th. The next morning, Ella Mae and her truck were still gone. This was exceptionally odd, as Ella Mae rarely left her home since the pandemic started and certainly wouldn't have left in the middle of the night. She was reported missing right away. Ella Mae hasn't been seen or heard from since. Where is Ella Mae Begay? Closure of some sort. 
show her respect while she's laying out there when I know what talent she has and what she meant to us. They cannot not, not bring her home. Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast, typically focusing on cases that have not received a lot of media attention. And this month in particular, we are focused on missing Indigenous women of America. The case of Ella May is really baffling. Ella May Begay was just a 62-year-old woman who never meant harm to anyone. She was loving and caring and very well-loved and respected within her community, the Navajo Nation. She was also a tiny woman, just standing just five foot tall and weighing about 100 pounds at the time of her disappearance. Before we jump into her story, a couple quick notes about the show. I want to welcome our newest Patreon member, Kevin, from California. We are so happy to have you as part of our online detective group. If you might be interested in joining us over at Patreon, you can visit our page at patreon.com slash wherearetheypodcast. We offer bonus episodes, merch, and other perks, and membership starts at just $3 a month. Monies raised this month will be going to the MMIW organization, which focuses on missing and murdered Indigenous women. If you have a case suggestion for us or just feedback in general, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at the Where Are They podcast, and you can send me a DM over there as well. So let's get into the reason we are here, the case of Ella May Begay. Ella May was last seen on June 14th, 2021, just this past summer. And her disappearance is not only highly suspicious, it's very bizarre. What could have happened that would cause this 62-year-old woman to leave her home in the middle of the night? A woman who up to that point didn't leave her house much and certainly never invited in strangers since the pandemic hit full force last year. Elame was cautious, to say the least. She was a sweet and caring woman whom everyone loved. She was tiny, about five foot tall, weighed just 100 pounds. She belonged to the Navajo Nation and lived in what is known as the Four Corners area. This is an area which encompasses parts of Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. The fourth state, Colorado, rounds out the Four Corners area, but the Navajo Nation is specifically in New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah with the bulk of their land being in Arizona. The Navajo Nation in this area consists of over 17 million acres. This is the largest land area retained by a Native American tribe in the United States. Ella May Begay lived in a very remote area of Sweetwater, Arizona. It took a bit to get to her place, But once there, she wasn't completely alone. Her closest neighbor was just about 50 yards away, and there were some other homes in the general vicinity as well. She lived so remote, in fact, that for many years, she had lived without electricity and other comforts that most of us take for granted. About six months before she vanished, she finally got solar panels installed on her home 
and was able to have electricity. This was a woman who had lived by candlelight and oil lamps prior and was now enjoying the luxury of having solar power at her home in the desert. Ella May was also very well known within her Navajo community. She was what is referred to as a master rug weaver, and she was so exceptionally talented. Her rugs were sold to people passing through the area and are likely in homes all over the world. Ella May's talent was creating meaningful, picturesque scenes within her rugs. They are absolutely stunning. Being a master rug weaver is a highly respected position in the Navajo community. Most of them are women and most learn the skill when they are growing up. It is a tradition that is often passed on from generation to generation. Being a master rug weaver means the artist has reached a level of accreditation, and it can be a lucrative task, but not an easy one. These rugs are generally hand-woven, and one rug, just 60 centimeters by 90 centimeters, can take months to create. They can, however, sell for thousands of dollars. These master rug weavers usually sell their rugs at markets and shows throughout the year. Ella May was known to be one of the best. Ella May lived alone and was a cautious woman. She was, at 62 years old, considered an elder of her community. When the pandemic hit, she was very careful to leave her home as little as possible and never would have invited anyone into her home. She even had a fence up around her house for extra security. A few days before June 14th, Ella May spoke to her son on the phone. Her son lived in Denver with his family and was excited to be planning a trip to see his mom and bring his children. Ella May hadn't seen her son and her grandkids since before the pandemic started. Needless to say, everyone was very excited for the upcoming visit. On June 15th, 2021, at 10.55 a.m., the Navajo Police Department received a call that a 62-year-old woman had vanished overnight. They would head out immediately to the neighbor that had called and to see what was going on. However, the sheer vastness of the area caused a little delay. When police are over 70 miles away, it takes a good minute to get there. They spoke to the neighbor and realized that not only was Ella May missing, but her truck was as well. And they realized pretty early on that something wasn't right. This was a woman who never left her home, least of which without telling anyone and taking her truck in the middle of the night. Around midday, they called Ella May's son up in Denver to tell him that his mother was missing. He said instantly he felt a sick feeling in his stomach and knew something was wrong. He would say the last time he received a call like that at work was 20 years ago when he was told that his father had been killed. He would leave that day to drive down to Sweetwater and help look for his mom. Searches were organized both by family and friends and by law enforcement. The community was shocked that their beloved LMA was missing. No one could understand it. And immediately people began to think that something bad must have happened. Reports as to what might have been seen 
or witnessed in the area are a little confusing and not as consistent as you would hope. There are some reports that say a witness saw Ella May being forced into her truck around 1 o'clock in the morning. But I just wonder if that's true and if that was the case, why this witness didn't intervene or why the witness didn't report it sooner, immediately. People all came together to search the area. They searched on foot, they used ATVs, and they even brought out drones. This is an expansive area of desert with lots of remote and desolate land to cover. Remember, this Navajo Nation area is 17 million acres, a lot of it remote desert land. And searches would take place all throughout northern Arizona and into San Juan County, Utah. And not only were they searching for Ella May herself, but her silver Ford F-150 pickup truck that was also missing. The results of those searches were never fully documented publicly in the media, and we really don't know what was found, if anything. One news article does report that the police indicated there was no sign of a struggle at the home, but something still wasn't adding up. What law enforcement did realize is that a crime might have been committed, not necessarily by clues found at the scene, but when the neighbor reminded law enforcement of a situation that happened just before Ella May vanished. And again, I'm not sure how this exactly played out because what they have put forth in the media is a bit questionable, and I know they must have more information they aren't sharing, but we do know that something happened. The evening before Ella May disappeared, the police were called to a neighbor's home due to a disturbance. There was a dispute with a few people, including a man named Preston Tolf. The police did speak with the people that night, including Preston, but he was never arrested or taken into custody and nobody wanted to press charges with regards to this fight. We don't know much about this man at all. We know that this Preston Tolth was just a 21-year-old that did not live in the Sweetwater area. But did he even have a reason to be there? Did he have family there? What was he doing? These are a lot of questions we don't have the answers to. What we do know is that he was not arrested, and the police said they found no connection between him and the Begay family. But they wanted to speak to him regarding Ella May's disappearance. Not necessarily thinking he had anything to do with her case, but just in case he might have witnessed something. But Preston Tolth was nowhere to be found. He was immediately labeled as a person of interest in Ella May's disappearance. On June 17th, the police put out an announcement that they were looking for Preston Tolf and wanted to speak to him regarding Ella May. Preston would be found in Thoreau, New Mexico, where he allegedly lived. Thoreau, like Sweetwater, Arizona, is predominantly a Navajo nation. When Preston was found in Thoreau, they were able to arrest him on unrelated warrants on battery charges. He was questioned in the case of LMA, but wouldn't admit to anything. He was then extradited to San Juan County, Utah, where he had a warrant for failure to comply. 
And interestingly, San Juan County is one of the areas that has been searched for LMA. Preston would actually remain incarcerated until October 15th when he was released, which is less than two weeks ago as of the airing of this podcast. And family remains infuriated over the lack of evidence and the reality that Preston is out of jail. Ella May's niece, Seraphine Warren, has worked at the media for her aunt, led searches, and even walked 150 miles from Ella May's home to get the attention of the Navajo police officials. She walked from Ella May's home in Sweetwater to the Navajo Nation capital of Window Rock, where she did meet with Jonathan Nez, president of the Navajo Nation. Law enforcement and officials have stated they are doing everything they can in the search for Ella May, but LMA's family believes they could do much more. On June 20th, only five days after LMA disappeared, local law enforcement changed the classification of her case from missing to homicide, bringing in help from the FBI. Searches have continued and there have been many events held to create awareness for LMA. Walks, runs, and bike runs, all done to raise awareness on not only Ella May's case, but other missing Indigenous women of the area. I do have some questions in this case that can't seem to be clarified. Number one, are there additional facts that point to Preston Tolth as a person of interest? All we've really been told is that he was in the area the night Ella May vanished. Seems to me we need more than that to call someone very strongly and very publicly a person of interest. Question number two, what do police know to cause them to change the classification of this from missing to homicide? Question number three, who reported Ella May missing? Some reports have said that, again, she was seen leaving her home in the middle of the night or being forced into her truck around one o'clock in the morning. And if that's the case, she wasn't alone? Or did someone just see her truck leaving? The details are not very clear about that initial report. So what are the theories in the case of missing 62-year-old Ella May? Theory number one, Preston Tolth. I believe there is more to this person of interest than has been reported, but without knowing what, it's hard to make any kind of judgment on that. It can't be ignored that his name has been heavily connected to LMA since her disappearance, however. But what would be his motive? Robbery? Theft? Remember, there was no known connection between Preston and LMA Begay or the Begay family. Specifically, 62-year-old Ella May, and Preston himself was only 21 years old in June. Did Preston Tolth do something to Ella May? And if so, where is she? Theory number two, stranger danger. Perhaps there is someone we aren't even aware of that is involved in Ella May's disappearance. Without any concrete evidence pointing to Preston, we need to keep an open mind and investigate all avenues. But again, what would be the motive? 
the only ones I can think of, again, are burglary and robbery. Or maybe someone needed a vehicle to get out of the area and tried to steal LMAs when something happened between them. But then I just think, why not steal the woman's truck and leave her be? Certainly a 62-year-old woman who weighed 100 pounds and was only 5 foot tall could be overtaken. You could grab her keys and leave. Unless she knew them. Or did she have a weapon? But all of this, again, is total speculation. Theory number three is that someone else that she knew, piggybacking off of our last theory, maybe someone did intend to steal her truck, but LMA witnessed it or saw this person, and since she could identify them, they had to take action. Again, pure speculation. Theory number four. Ella May left the area and had an accident. Did something cause Ella May to leave a health crisis, physical or mental, and she got in her truck and drove away? This could have several possibilities. She could have been in a car accident in a remote area of the desert. Remember, this area is very expansive. Or maybe she even drove quite far away before something happened. Or she became disoriented on her own and got lost. The one thing that could disprove this theory, however, is if we had more information about who might have seen her leaving at one o'clock in the morning, they would be able to answer the question if LMA was alone or not. I want to keep all theories as a possibility until proven otherwise. But it's important to state that law enforcement believes the case of LMA is a homicide investigation and the searches for her do continue. According to Navajo Nation Police Chief Philip Francisco, Begay's case is now in the hands of the FBI and the Navajo Nation's criminal investigation team. Francisco confirmed that Begay's case changed from missing to homicide, which helped enlist the FBI for assistance. Foul play and homicide are listed under the Major Crimes Act, which allows the FBI to come into an investigation. Francisco has also said that the FBI has additional information, which does lead them to believe this is a homicide case, but we are not privy to those details. At one point, the FBI also received a tip that led them to the Montezuma area along the San Juan River. Searches were organized and conducted once again, but there was no sign of LMA or her silver Ford F-150 pickup truck. What happened to LMA Begay, and where is she? Her family has set up a Facebook page trailing Ella May. Not only do they use the page to promote information on LMA Begay, but they use the platform to share other missing persons in the area. And like many areas and reservations of the indigenous, there are too many. The page is active and does a good job of keeping up to date on the case. Please go find the page and give it a follow or a like to show your support. Remember, with social media, it's a total numbers game. The more followers, the more the page will be promoted and visible to others and easier for others to find. 
The family has also set up a GoFundMe page to help with their searches. I'll link it in the notes and of course I'll share it online as well. Many family members have taken weeks off of work to search for LMA and the hardships grow as time goes on. I did find an interesting story in the Salt Lake Tribune in which a woman on the East Coast had heard the story of LMA being missing. She had actually purchased a couple of LMA's rugs before, once at an antique shop in Michigan and once online from a gallery. She wanted to step up and help fundraise to help the search efforts, and she shared pictures of the rugs she had bought from LMA. There is also a YouTuber who has also told LMA's story to help it gain exposure. If you'd like more info and another look at who LMA is, check out her channel, The Nine Lives of Sandy. I love seeing someone else picking up a story like this one and sharing it amongst all the other ones that seem to go viral and get all the media attention. Ella Mae Begay was five foot tall and weighed 100 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She had short, chin-length hair and usually wore glasses. Also missing is Ella Mae's silver F-150 pickup truck with tinted windows, Arizona license plate number AFE-7101. That's Alpha Frank Echo 7101. LMA is a grandmother, mother, caregiver, aunt, and a friend to many, so many. There are people out there wondering every day where she is and wanting to bring her back home where she belongs. You heard at the beginning of this episode the pleas and the cries from Seraphine Warner, LMA's niece. The family wants to bring her home. If you have any information on the whereabouts of LMA Begay, please contact the Navajo Nation Police Department's Shiprock District at 505-368-1350 or 505-368-1351, and they will direct the call to the right person in charge. Please share LMA's story any way you can. Someone must know something. This is the last week we are focusing solely on missing Indigenous women, and I thank everyone so much for your support this month. I will continue, of course, to monitor these cases as well as any others involving missing Indigenous women, as this continues to be a problem throughout our country. I'm hoping the movement and the help from others to help these cases receive more attention and receive assistance from different agencies continues to grow and the numbers of the missing begin to go down. I'll be watching all of these cases very closely. This is also the last week to support our cause with the MMIW, the Organization for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Check out our online merch store or our Patreon if interested, or visit the MMIW website directly and make a donation. Thank you so much for listening to LMA's story, a mysterious and baffling one as a 62-year-old woman vanished in the middle of the night without a trace.
I'm certain that someone out there knows something. We will be back again next week with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.